Hi there. Kenny Scott from the NRL Sunday Session podcast here to remind you that while we're coming up to the grand final, it is never too early to start talking about Origin. And that's why right now we're talking about the Coates Golden Ticket Competition. Coates is giving you the chance to win two golden tickets to each State of Origin game in 2022. To find out more, just go to coatesgoldenticket.com.au. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the NRL.com preview podcast. The big one is here. It's grand final time. We're here to talk through everything to do with Panthers v Rabbitohs for the big dance on Sunday. My name is Chris Kennedy. I'm joined as always by NRL.com crack reporter Alicia Newton. Alicia, it's our last one. Are you excited? Oh, so pumped, CK. So pumped. Good to be here. Marty Lenahan is with us as always. Marty, uh, so close we can taste it. Very excited, mate. I've got a uh, South supporter in my household too, so it's a uh, grand final fever here. Tense times. And our special guest uh, this week from AAP Sports Journalist, Scott Bailey, for his uh, NRL.com preview podcast debut. Scotty, thank you for being here. What a time to make a debut. So, what a time. Least appearances of the NRL era, isn't it? I was almost going, <laughs> I was almost going to introduce you as the 50-point stat guy from Twitter because we're going to be say. talking about the 50-point stat. Um, <laughs> Scotty, let's start with that, why don't we? Uh, for those who uh, don't know, there is a, a stat that used to be a little bit niche, but I feel like it's well-known now. No team has ever conceded 50 points in a premier in a, a first-grade game and gone on to win the grand final in the same season. Souths did it twice this year uh, to the Storm and the Panthers. Now they're in a grand final. Are you worried that this could be the death of the 50 points? start what have i become <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is what i'm here for uh yes i think it, uh, i think it could possible there's every chance it will be the end of the 50 point start i mean we, we've seen teams make the grand final before the roosters in 2010 spring to mind they got a pace team from the bulldogs early in the year and recovered to make the grand final but souths are probably the first team that i can think of that have made it up to conceding 50 in a year and a genuine hopes not they're not just going on a run they are a genuine hope winning this grand final so it could well be and not only do they concede 50 once they conceded it twice uh you know Amazing. so there is every chance that this could be the end of the 50 point set i'm not going to lie a tiny part of me says thank you <laughs> <laughs> it's um I, I guess south's defense is going to be a, a key talking point uh, not just in this pod- podcast but in the week uh leading up alicia they uh since that, the like Scotty said, they conceded 50 points twice to the Panthers and to the Storm. Um, since then, they haven't conceded more than 24, uh, 25 points in a game. That was in their only loss since then uh, to the Panthers late in the uh, the regular season. So um, after recalibrating a few things, they have got their defence back on track. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what it had to take. Um, I'd love to, I can't wait. Like if South do win the competition, I'd love to hear the backstory to that. Like what really went down after the Dobbo massacre and even that storm game, like they were humiliated on home turf. So um, yeah, we'll have to wait for that just to see if they do win. But um, yeah, a bit like Scotty, I'll be really glad if that 50 points that stays actually, I just like how much it serves people up Um you know, how much uh, fans get into it. They don't like it, especially South fans. I think, Scotty, you've copped a fair bit since they've made mm-hmm. the grand final. So, um, yep. yeah, but they have. They've improved their defence. They had to. And I think Wayne's uh, obviously done a remarkable job in, in turning that around for them. 
Marty, it's been a strange sort of a year. We've seen point scoring records absolutely tumble. I think Manly, uh, the first club ever to have three separate players cross for 20 tries and Ruben Garrick along the way, the first player ever to hit 300 individual points scored in a uh, regular f- uh, home and away season. We've seen, you know, blowouts at Akimbo, um, you know, points scoring records shattered left, right and centre. But then we hit the finals and we've had games being won 16-10 and, and 8-6 and 10-6. And it's, you know, sort of gone back to the um, the old school style sort of defence oriented grind. It's been great to watch too, hasn't it? I think uh, particularly that Penrith Melbourne game, which we all thought would be the grand final, certainly would have been a great grand final if it was. So uh, I think these elite teams now at this time of year just know that that, that this is where the games are won. You have to tighten up. They've been uh, incredible. Some of the defensive struggles we've seen in the last few weeks and. South South Sydney certainly have done a remarkable job. I mean, that feels like another lifetime ago, those couple of 50-point losses that they suffered. So they certainly won't be worried about that too much anymore. They've done a a great job of tightening things up. And look, I really hope we do get another sort of tight game. The uh, As I said, the Penrith-Melbourne game was just a remarkable clash. What have you made of the uh, contest through the finals, Scotty? I think we've probably um, mentioned a few times this year, but uh, games that have involved some combination of Parramatta, Penrith and Melbourne have been a, generally of a higher quality than a lot of the, um, you know, games that have been exciting and free-flowing and, you know, entertaining. But those, um, when you really get the elite teams up against each other, really seem to produce some quality football. Yeah, those three certainly match up the best. So I think... It might have been one ordinary one, obviously around 25 when uh, Parramatta rested all of their players. Besides from that, pretty much every time those three teams matched up, they were really good games and that showed again over the past fortnight. Look, I think for me, the key thing for the finals and what we all sort of on the eve of the finals, I remember doing a story where it was, does defence still matter? Is, is defence still king or is it? We, do we live in a brave new attacking world and that's what matters in finals? What we've seen is that with the exception of in fact, South Sydney v Penrith in week one. I'm, I'm pretty sure that every game has been won by the team that had the better defensive record through the season. So what we have seen is defence absolutely still matters. Um, it's why Penrith were able to beat Melbourne on Saturday. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, <clears throat> Penrith had a bit of an off night in the first week, but you look at their defence over the last two years, they've conceded 11.9 points a game in both those years, in 2020 and 2021, which is just a... It's such a bizarre thing, but and that's the least since Melbourne in 2007. So when you look at it like that, I, I think defence is still what will matter most come this weekend. So you know we have yeah we have seen defence you know, oriented final series. Mm. Well, I saw a stat about that. I don't have it in front of me, but I think if you take every team's defence for every season, Penrith last year and this year are two of the top three defensive seasons from from any club in the past 20 or so years with that storm um, being the other one. I think you have to go back to I mean, Parramatta in 98 or 99 had a really staunch season, but it's it's been historical defence uh, from Penrith. Alicia, on the Panthers, just the one team change. Uh, Pangai unfortunately ruled out with a, uh, a knee strain, but they do get Moses Leota back, so a little bit of a like-for-like. Like. It means the um, the rookie, Spencer Leniu, um, I probably shouldn't call him a rookie. I think it's his third season, but he hasn't uh, played a heap of first grade. Um, but that's the only change, I think, for either team. Um, much of a, a change for Penrith, do you think? Oh, it is a bit of a blow. I thought Tavita's been pretty handy for him, probably not as much impact as I thought he might have made. But, um, you know, I like the fact that they just made the call early and I, from all reports, he made it himself and just said to, like, rule me out. So 
Um, yeah, I'm excited for Spencer too because he missed out last year. He spoke to the media um, on Monday and, and basically said he's a little bit crook um, that week leading into the grand final and, and just wasn't considered. So, you know, he's a local junior who, along with Matty Burton and Steve Crichton, made their debuts like this time two years ago pretty much. Mm. So um, they've come a long way as, as a trio, but certainly for Spencer, um, he's shown that he can be pretty handy off the bench. So... Um, you know, I'm quite excited to see him run around and um, he'll play a massive part because him and, uh, sorry, Panghua Jr. and Kikau have been pretty dominant when they've come on. So they'll need to uh, repeat that again on Sunday. Do we have too many other clouds over the uh, the Panthers? Sounds like Dylan Edwards is managing through the week with a, a foot issue and Fisher Harris had a bit of a, a knee tweak, but, you know, it's all the, the grand final ducks and drakes, clear his shoulders, crook again, apparently, but well, when I saw Brian So in that wheelchair, I freaked out <laughs> and they uh, they fooled me the other day. But um, yeah, I wouldn't say Ducks and Drakes just because I know how much they are pretty busted. But certainly I wouldn't be, you know, I, I wouldn't expect them not to all play. Um, James Fisher-Harris was so um, determined on Monday. Uh, you know, I think his knee's no good, but he's. I think it would take plenty for him to miss the game. So um, yeah, I expect them all to play um, on one leg if they have to. And, and they pretty much need to. Um, if they're going to topple this South Sydney side. Marty, just on South, I think a lot of us put the red pen through them when uh, Latrell Mitchell got himself suspended for the rest of the uh, the year. There was talk about Blake Taft coming in and taking over. Can they really afford to go through a final series with what was then a five or a six game rookie playing in the key position of fullback? A lot of us thought they might put Benji into the starting side and move Cody Walker to fullback. And Wayne was pretty adamant from the get-go that this is what he was going to do and he's done it. And Taft's been nothing but a rousing success, really. Mate, he's been fantastic. And I think the messaging from Wayne Bennett was was perfect right from the start. I mean, there was even questioning the night the night that Latrell uh, hit Joey Manu. There was people talking immediately after the game. Are you gone? Are you finished? What are you going to do without him? He just handled it so well. He would have given Blake Taff so much confidence. Probably told all these other blokes, they won't be shifting around. We're, we're going to keep our strengths where they are. You don't want to be weakening, you know, certain positions to try and strengthen up at fullback. So... I just think he would have told them all the right things. They were the ones that turned the whole final series on its head by beating Penrith um, and then just to give themselves that week off. And, you know, the Adam Reynolds injury certainly snuck up on everybody last week. It was incredible to watch the first 15 minutes with Cody Walker putting up all those bombs and we were all trying to work out uh, what was going on, why he was doing that and why Blake Taft was kicking goals. So... They did a great job of keeping a, a lid on that. And, uh, you know, like Penrith, there's going to be plenty of blokes there who are 70%, 80% fit, but it doesn't keep you out of a grand final. They're all just going to aim up. And as Walker proved last week, he's more than capable of handling a bit of that kicking if they need him to. Well, yeah, that's the key point is that um, even though Reynolds wasn't 100%, the guys that stepped in, you know, Walker with the general play kicks and Blake Taff um, off the tee both did a, a stellar job. And, you know, uh, Reynolds still managing that that groin issue, limited training through this week. I don't think it's quite uh, Cooper Cronk with the broken shoulder um, levels of subterfuge, but uh, he might be a little bit hampered. Um, Scotty, just on that point about, you know, Wayne Bennett and his uh, messaging and how consistent he's been, what have you made of the sort of, I guess, the coaching dual? Ivan's obviously got uh, last year's experience to to fuel him. He hasn't won a comp yet. Uh, Wayne Bennett going into a a GF with 800 plus first grade uh, games of experience and his fourth different club into a, a grand final. That's sort of been one of the interesting subplots of the week as well. I love it. I think it's great. The, the whole Ivan v Wayne thing uh, in the lead up to the first week of the finals, and but obviously that press conference afterwards was 
honestly one of the best storylines of the year, I think. And, you know, as someone said to me out west, it was at first, you know, at least we're all talking about football, weren't we? The whole storyline was about footy. Yeah. And then obviously it went on and on. But the, I think the really interesting about Wayne is, and we talked about Blake Taft before and the way he's managed Blake Taft. So he didn't say a lot. Like he backed Blake Taft before that uh, game he came in, uh, in the final round. But we sort of didn't know a lot there because it was the south side that was resting most of their players. Then in the press conference after that last game, I think it was against St. George, he was asked who would play fullback the following week against Penrith. And, and Wayne wouldn't commit to Blake Taft. He kept saying, oh, you know, oh, I've got to think about Nathan Cleary's bombs and this, that, and the other. And then, so he didn't talk about Blake Taft there. He names him on the Tuesday. Then there was all the debate about whether he plays number one or whether Alex Johnson or Cody Walker moves back to the number one spot. Then on the Thursday before the game, Wayne talks, all subject all becomes about kick blockers and the debate with Ivan. And then Wayne starts, goes on his eight-minute rant about Ivan Cleary. So again, we're not talking about Blake Taft. I think I remember asking him about Blake Taft and all he said was, well, I've named him in the number one jersey. He wouldn't play if I didn't trust him. So he backed him, but talk wasn't out Blake Taft. Then they win, week off, week, and then they go into week three of the finals. Again, talk's not about Blake Taft by that point. Souths win, and then, oh, if we're going to talk about Blake Taft there, no, 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 don't worry about that, because all of a sudden it's about whether a Queensland club's approached him. Sorry, that was the day before the preliminary finals. So that again took the, talk away, took the talk away from Blake Taft. So I can't wait to hear what the talk is on Friday at the uh, coach's press conference because Wayne will no doubt have some kind of plan to make sure the talking point is not Blake Taft. And, and that's why Minutes will see, isn't it? Mm. He's the master. I love that post-game press conference where he, um, he walks in and he absolutely lights a bomb under Brisbane and they undermined him and, you know, just throwing these little hand grenades everywhere. And even though by this point, every journalist knows what he's doing and why he's doing it, but still because he's given this like huge hand grenade, we're all still talking about what he said of about course. Brisbane rather than the team. Of course we are. Just like when he went on his rant about the kickboxers, because it was a great story. We all wrote about it. We didn't write about Blake Taft trying to field Nathan Cleary's bombs. The story is about how they're going to attack Nathan Cleary. And, you know, every single time the story becomes about what Wayne says. So, you know, it's been, what, five years since we've had, uh, no, six years since we've had Wayne Benton grand final week. So I cannot wait to see what he comes up with on Friday. It'll be something, I promise. And I think, um, like, Penrith, Penrith pretty much admitted to that that week they were focused too much on Blake Taft, right? Like, mm, they, yeah. Nathan Cleary's come out and said, I just, I've got too caught up in trying to, especially after he knocked on that first ball, here we are talking about Blake Taft again. Um, but yeah, so I think I'm expecting them to change their ways for sure this week, you know, not focus on that and, and focus on getting getting a win a different way. I mean, Penrith's um, kicking has been so good all year, Marty. I'm, I'm preparing a bit of a stat attack to go up later this week, but I've got a few of the numbers in front of me. Um, and I've crunched all Luai, Cleary, Reynolds and Walker for, you know, kicks per game, metres per game, force dropouts, you know, seven tackle sets conceded, how hard they are to defuse, um, kicks for tries. And I've highlighted who the best player of the four is for every stat. And I think eight out of 10, the highlight is around Cleary. So he's really been very consistent this year and, and done so much good stuff off the boot. So it's almost, I guess, a bit surprising that he allowed himself to be distracted by one dropped bomb and, and sort of get away from the game plan. But he said on a Zoom this week, they're going to definitely much, you know, revert to that, you know, field position and making the, the opposition start sets where they want them to start rather than getting sidetracked on trying to target one player. Yeah, look, it's just become so crucial, hasn't it? The, the ball kicked down to sort of, 20 metre mark or beyond that. We saw what Stouts did last week, the way they started against Manly, every kick they put down there. And of course, we're all waiting for Turbo to catch the ball and everyone's going, oh, geez, watch what Turbo does. Well, he went nowhere. 
they absolutely got down there, three or four blokes, and every manly bloke, they did it to Jason Saab as well. They drove him back five or 10 metres and that just set the tone for the night. So I agree completely. I think Nathan Cleary is the, the dominant kicking uh, game in the competition and it, it's going to come down to him so much. I think obviously uh, South are going to have to try and share it a little bit with Cody Walker and, and Reynolds. And the other, the other thing is two other players, like we saw South Sydney last week get a try out of Damian Cook with a left foot grubber, which was just a phenomenal kick and the, and the instincts of Cody Walker just to be there. But other guys in your team that can step up and produce a little play like that is uh, is critical as well. So, you know, there's there's a four guys there that obviously are the key to the kicking games, but uh, there's some others that can produce something uh, pretty tricky as well. well. Yeah, there is a fair bit of ball playing in both sides. You haven't really talked about the forward packs yet. Um, Scotty, you, you look at especially the middles for these two teams. I'd have to say Isaiah Yo and Cam Murray, close to two of the best players in the competition, just in terms of their their form and their influence on their respective teams at the moment. You look at what you know Fisher Harris has done this year. You know Tom Burgess probably having his best year. Mark Nichols sort of come from nowhere to be one of the most consistent front rowers in the comp. You know Moses Leota's been thereabouts for a couple of years, so it's going to be a, a wonderful duel in the middle as well. It's kind of an overlooked duel, isn't it? In a lot of ways, like you're right. I think. Cam Murray and Isaiah Yo are very similar players. Like Isaiah Yo goes to the line a bit more, probably engages the line a bit more, but just in how reliable they are defensively and the you know the key cog they play in both as a link man in both teams' attack is you know is really similar. I think you know Tom Burgess coming off the bench is a bit of an advantage for South. I think especially with uh, Tavita Pangai out, Burgess is having his best year of his career. I think. Yeah. It's quite funny. I was thinking during the week that he's almost should be out trying to win the Clive Churchill medal that was robbed off his twin brother and given to his other brother <laughs> seven years ago. But yeah, like he, he's been tremendous. I think you know, he's had quite a number of games where he's been um, biggest meter reader for South. Fisher Harris is a, you know, I think he's no longer underrated, but spent a lot of his career very underrated, much like, you know, South's two props in, in Nichols and into Toller. And Moses Leoda, I think, is is the big one. Like he hasn't had probably the responsibility that he's going to have in this game, you know, in a big game like he does this week before. Like you look at it, like he obviously didn't have starting roles in Penrith finals last year. Didn't play the game. Just gone. Hasn't played Origin. Hasn't played a lot of Test footy like that. So for my Moses Leoda and how he stands up and how he can try and set the tone early alongside James Fisher Harris becomes really crucial on, on Sunday night. Massively. Alicia Viliami Kikau uh, off the bench uh, hasn't officially been uh, named there, but it's been happening every week. He's gone back to the bench with the number 11 on his back since round 23, it looks like. So I assume that's going to happen again um, on Sunday. Uh, a, I guess you probably expect the same thing. B, do you think it's the, the right move for them? Is it working? Yeah, I think it is. Look, I've um, probably been a little bit critical of, of Vili in the last couple of weeks. So I, I just think he's he probably hasn't had the year that I think many do. Like he was back row of the year for Dalliams. I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, yeah, same. Just, I think he, yeah, I just think he's been a little bit below his best, which we know his best is, is awesome. So like it, it's, there's not much between it, but he had a nightmare in that grand final last year. I think he had about six errors, you know, mm. the big moments he got hooked. Well, he had an injury against Penrith, but um, you know, I don't know how much of that was also, like he was pretty poor when he was out there. So um, yeah, I'm expecting him to, he came on a bit earlier last week, which which helped as well. He got on and, and just really gave it to Melbourne. I thought it was one of his better games. So, um, 
yeah, it's just, it's for me, really, it's just short, short spurts. And it's, I think when he's, when the team is, I guess, um, ahead with the momentum, that's when he can really be utilised. I feel like if they're on the back foot and he comes on, he's probably not as effective. So, um, yeah, but I don't mind it off the bench. I think it's, it is working for now. Yeah, I mean, he got on, uh, I think, nine minutes in last week because there was a, a foul play free interchange for a hit on uh, on Liam Martin, who himself has been excellent uh, in the starting role, mostly on an edge, but obviously can play middle uh, as well. He Marty, just got a bit caught. Sorry, sorry, sorry he, just got, he, just, he just got a bit caught. I think Jerome Hughes kept stepping inside him a fair bit, especially in that second half, and they, they were sort of highlighting that on, on the telly that, um, you know, that was a real sort of danger period when he gets tired and that right foot step. No, he needs that inside person to be to be backing him up there. Yeah, absolutely. It was a bit the same. It was a bit the same off that the grubber. Yeah, when Papenhausen scored, like he kind of turned his back, turned his shoulder a bit on it, um, instead of ran around in a circle in some ways uh, before before Papenhausen got to it. Yeah. Okay, an ocean liner trying to do a, a quick one eighty. Um, <laughs> Marty, what do you make of the uh, the hooking? Jewel, obviously, uh, Damien Cook being you know New South Wales and, and now Australian hooker for a, a couple of years. Uh, Abby Corris, our origin debut um, this year, but probably hasn't quite got the same uh, wraps over the course of his career as uh, as Cook has, but had a, a great couple of seasons of his own. Um, no Mitch Kenny on the bench, obviously out injured, so um, no real backup plan other than, I guess, Tyrone May uh, to sub in. Um, Cook more than accustomed to playing 80 minutes. How do you uh, rate the two dummy halves heading into this one? Oh, mate, a couple of outstanding number nines. I think um, if you look back to last year's grand final and when the, the game was put to bed before halftime, it was all about Cameron Smith. He looked like he was going to win the, the medal at that stage for best on ground. So those guys have got such a dominant role. I think Damian Cook's had a solid season, probably not as good as he was a couple of years ago when he was carving up in origin and making all those runs out of dummy half. I guess the, he can only go when the opportunities are there and you know, as we've been talking about, the quality of the defence in the finals, perhaps he just hasn't had those chances. I thought he looked a lot better last week. There was a bit more freedom and a bit more room for him against Manly, and he did set up that try that I spoke about with that beautiful left-footed kick. So I reckon he's getting a little more confident. I guess you just got to pick your moments and hope you can find a little bit of space there. Coruscant's a fantastic player. I think those two guys have got massive roles to play, just trying to get on that get that momentum, I guess it all comes down to those forwards laying the platform and whichever one of these guys can get on the back of it and, and make a bit of ground out of dummy half and, and have some of those bursts, I think can uh, really ignite the rest of the team. Following on from that, the battle of the two number 14s, uh, very different styles of player. Tyrone May probably more of a, a back row with a ball, bit of uh, ball playing about him, whereas Benji Marshall, the veteran uh, halfback or 5'8", who's sort of evolved into a bit of a, a ball playing lock role this year, you know, a little bit a la, you know, Connor Watson and Tyrone Peachy style, someone who come on and, you know, shore up the middle and, and add some ball playing and some spark. And it's, you know, the, the revival of Benji or the, the continued evolution of Benji for me is one of the great storylines of the year. Mate, I guess, you know, 16 years after his last grand final, that's the longest break between grand final appearances in, in history. So He's just been phenomenal. We all know the story about how he got the start at South and how Wayne Bennett has put a bit of trust in him and how good he is around the club, you know, with the younger players. But I just think he's been able to use him in so many different roles, put him on at different parts of the game. As you said, he can do a bit of ball playing. He's still got a, a magical pass or, a, you know, remember that game against the Titans earlier in the year where he, he laid on tries in the second half and it was he looked like it was 2005 again, the way that he was playing. So he is just a huge 
bonus, I reckon, for Souths whenever they decide to put him in the game, how they want to use him. And he's just one of those fairy tale stories that uh, Souths have got. You know, Reynolds, they've got Bennett leaving, they've got Benji. I don't really think he will retire, actually, the way that he's been talking. But whether he does or not, perhaps if he uh, walks off with the premiership on Sunday night, he might decide there couldn't be a better way to go out. But I reckon he's a huge uh, ace up the sleeve for Souths. We picked the eyes out of most of the positional battles. We haven't really done the three-quarter lines yet. Um, Scotty, I guess Penrith with a little bit more of a, a yardage game about them, uh, especially through Brian Toto, uh, Alex Johnston, more of a finisher, and Jackson Paulo, you know, still you know a little bit of a, a rookie. Um, plus, you got the the centres. You know, Penrith have turned a, a five-eighth in Burton into one of the best centres in the comp, a Dallium centre, um, up against the, the likes of Gagai and Graham. So some quality in both three-quarter lines. Yeah, there is. It's, it's a great battle of... They don't actually oppose each other, but the battle of the left edges, I think the two best left edges in the competition, obviously. Souths, it's, it's amazing the way that Blake Tapp has fit into that left edge there. And mm. Dane Gagai, obviously ever reliable. Alex Johnston, one of the best finishers in the competition, as you say. Um, and Penrith's left edge, like when when Jerome Luai combines with Matt Burden, like on that, and so Nathan sleeps around and I always call it the reverse no-look ball that Nathan provides to the law. I just call it the Cleary pass these days, I think, yeah. (laughs) The Cleary pass that we land on, yeah. Like, I think that edge there is just so good. And you're right, like, Brian Toto is the best in the game for for metres out of his own end. Like, it's funny. I I think that needs to be a really underrated part of Penrith's game, but it's definitely not underrated now. Everyone knows about it. I, I, I personally think Penrith's... Penrith's backline probably just has it over Souths, but but it's not by much, is it? Like mm. Souths are just a really reliable backline in in Campbell Graham and, and Dangago in the centres, whereas Penrith's probably got a little bit more spark. But it's 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 honestly is really hard to split them, isn't it? The the great point that was made to Dangago yesterday, I thought, was these grand final Dangago is that the same switch that gets flicked for State of Origin Dangago, or is it a different one altogether? <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of he kind of laughed, I think, and he said, oh. Don't know, I haven't played one before, but yeah. I think South is very much open. It's the state of origin dango guy that runs out on Sunday night. Yeah, well, he laughed it off, but I think it's probably also on his mind a little bit that um, Origin Dan Gagai isn't necessarily the every single week in club football uh, Dan mm. Gagai, which probably is a bit frustrating for him as well as for, for fans that it's not always necessarily that those same stratospheric heights uh, in week-to-week club footy is able to produce on the uh, the big stage. Um, Alicia, any th- further positional battles or insights you want to add to all that? Um, look, I, th- I think the game is set for Jerome Luai. Um, you know, he's another guy that's sort of post-origin has um, dipped a little bit. He's probably probably a bit tired. You know, he had such a big campaign and, and had that knee injury, but I'm expecting him to to really fire. He fired up as soon as Nathan set up that try for, for Crichton out wide. And uh, I think if Penrith start pretty well, that gets him into the game. So, yeah, I'm expecting a, a big turnaround for him. This week, um, I think we've uh, gone through every possible stat and positional battle we can uh, come up with. Let's get some uh, who's going to win. Why, Marty? I'll start with you. Give us a a winner. Give us a margin. Give us a Clive Churchill medal winner. Cody Walker is going to win the the Clive Churchill medal for me, which uh, probably follows into my tip for South. I've been um, been on South all year, and usually when I pick a team at the start of the year, they don't even make the grand final. So I'm pretty happy with that. I've been. uh, Been on the train the whole season. What about the Raiders, mate? What about the Raiders? So, Raiders by eight. Katie Walker for the medal. And I think uh, I'll have a very happy uh, 17 year old son in this house on Sunday (laughs) night if that all plays out. Alicia, same questions to you. 
Well, I just want to say to, um, I should have said it before, but Melbourne have been for me the form team of the comp all year and obviously they let it slip um, last week. But I just always thought that this game deserved another chapter after what happened in the week, week one of the finals, like they, these two teams. So I think it's absolutely awesome that um, it is down to these two because I, I can't imagine the build-up would have, would have been as exciting, no disrespect to Melbourne, but had these two teams not been in it. Um, I'm going with Penrith. I think they'll they'll bounce back, learn their lesson from week one and be a lot better side. Um, I think I picked the margin as eight in my experts view tip and I went with Nathan as Clive Churchill. Scotty, what do you got? Jeez, Alicia, we're very, very boring aligned here. Uh, I also have Penrith. The key stat for me is Nathan and Jerome when they play together at all levels, NRL and first grade, that is at 40 from 43. They also have an incredible record going back and under 20s together. So um, I just don't see them getting beat after a year of thinking about that grand final last year. To be different, I'll go Penrith by 12 and I'll finish with one glimmer of hope for South Sydney fans. Should be noted that in the last real high-scoring season we had 2001, Newcastle won a premiership after conceding 49 in a match. So uh, <laughs> why not 50? <laughs> that was a great year. Hey, CK, that was a great year. No, that we're not year. talking about 2001. <laughs> um, just to finish this off, I will uh, actually my experts view on NRL.com. I went for Panthers, but I think I've changed my mind since I filed that uh, yesterday. Just all the delving into the stats and going over it, I kind of feel like the coaching duel, the wily odd master Wayne Bennett might just have uh, souths up. I've been a bit more convinced by their second half of the season form. The the more and more I look at it. Um, so yeah, Cody Walker also for the uh, the Clive Churchill for me, and I think it'll be close either way. So I'm going to go South by two. But uh, plenty of uh, varying opinions on the um, on the outcome of this one should be an absolutely cracking grand final. Thank you all so much for being on our final preview podcast of the year, and thank you everyone for listening. Um, Sunday, it's almost here. Enjoy the big one. Mm-hmm.